Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right. Wow. You're looking so amazing this morning. We're going to have a great, great, great time. Yeah? Isn't it amazing that when we come into a place of worshiping the Lord, as we lift His name, we exalt Him, we care for Him, at the same time, the byproduct is He touches us. When we touch His heart, He touches us. Yeah? And that's just the most a wonderful and amazing thing. And just love being together with God's people. Uh, that's you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are looking forward to this year and we are going to leap forward. Yes. Because it's a? It's a leap year. Yes. And all the single girls said yay and amen. Yeah. Girls, it's your chance. All right, only every four years, girls, okay? I'm talking to the single girls now, right? Okay, because apparently, apparently in a leap year, it's okay for the girls to propose. Apparently. So girls, come on, courage. All right. (laughs) Uh, Just messing with you. But we're going to leap forward, and so we're starting... By taking a time of prayer and fasting as we begin the month of February. Three days, yay. And there are a number of ways in which you can participate and that you can uh, get involved in this corporate time of fasting. One of the ways in which you can do it is a media and a news fast. And what we do during that process is we direct our attention on the Lord and away from all the other voices that are distracting us. You know, there are a bunch of things and and news, whatever, that just like erodes our faith and our confidence and causes us to get stressed and worried about things instead of being in a place of peace. So we actually just want to turn that dial all the way down. Maybe even turn it off. Yeah. And, um, And so... Your social media, all these kinds of things can be such a distraction. And, you know, we only really know how much we're addicted to this stuff is when the Wi-Fi goes down. <laughs> it's like people are like, well, what am I supposed to do now? It's like, yeah, talk to people. What? <laughs> all right. So really good for us to actually take the time that we would have spent scrolling on our devices and rather give our focus and attention to the word so we're not feeding ourselves on negative news we're feeding ourselves on the good news the word of god and so there's loads of opportunity for us just to shift focus and to let the lord speak into our lives so that's one of the ways that you can fast as a, a media fast. Another way that you can fast is what is termed a Daniel fast. And so you'll see in the book of Daniel, um, he's the same guy who hung around with the lions. Yeah, he was a secret Gautenga. Just to hang around with the lions. 
And, um, but uh, at this, this one particular point, they, he and his mates, they took a time of fasting from the king's food. So they were from the king's table, there was access to all of the rich foods, you know, chips and sweets, chocolates, you know, Cokes and all that kind of stuff. And they just said, we won't do that. They just, no, we won't go to the vending machine. We'll just leave all that stuff aside. And we won't have meat and we won't have wine, any of these wonderful things that God has given. We are going to just have fruit and vegetables. I think they had nuts as well. And what happened is that as they were taking their delight in the Lord and not their delight in the rich foods, there was a shift in their focus. And actually also what it did was it created this reset in their physical bodies and they looked better. And they began to think better. So even on a Daniel fast, there are some health benefits. We're not doing it for the health benefits. We're doing it to focus on the Lord, but there's a sense in which as we put certain things aside, we say, you know what, I'm not going to turn to these things for comfort and delight. I'm going to turn to the Lord for comfort and delight. Okay? So we are engaging some action steps with our focus. And then a third way in which we encourage you to fast is a water-only fast or a full fast. Okay? In other words, no calories coming in. So for three days, you are allowing your body to come into submission to your will. Okay? And this is an amazing thing that you get to experience. Often what happens in the normal course of life, you could run out of the, the door early in the morning, you've got to rush off to work, you don't have anything to eat, it's just so hectic. And you find that tea time goes, lunch time goes, it's like late afternoon, maybe even evening, you haven't had anything to eat, and you're okay. <laughs> All right? So there have been some times like that, right? So you know your, your body will not die in the first three hours. Okay? I mean, you've done this before, right? So you know yourself, right? But it's amazing. The day you decide to fast... Yeah, you've hardly pulled out of the driveway. And your stomach is beginning to tell your brain, I'm going to (laughs) die. No, you're not. There's warfare going on. And so we are taking dominion, we're taking authority, rulership over our flesh, our body. We're saying, no, no, you're going to be subject to, to the will of God as I submit myself to him and so body behave right and I assure you you won't die okay so we do encourage you to take lots of water increase your hydration that's really good okay and maybe for two three days before the fast cut back on coffee if you're a, if you're a coffee lover I don't mean a casual coffee drinker. I mean you're a coffee lover. Then probably what you want to do is you want to cut out your caffeine for about two, three days. If you're a Coke person, oh my goodness. Not the sniffing variety, okay? (laughs) 
gosh, you guys suddenly like, what kind of a church is this? That's when you say there's no high like the most high and all that kind of stuff. No, we don't do... Okay, we're not talking that kind of Coke. We're talking... Okay, so if you have foods and drinks that have a lot of caffeine in them, you want to actually cut it out three, four days beforehand so that it's actually out of your system because your, your brain will get headaches. Okay, because it's part of the detox process. And when you're fasting and you get headaches, that's even tougher on the fast. And then your body really thinks it's dying. When it's not, it's just cleansing. All right. You're undergoing this major reset. In fact, you will feel much better when you fasted for three days. And listen, if you want to continue fasting after that, you can. You don't have to stop after three days, but we decided this is a, a three-day fast. Okay. Because once you've got through the pain of three days, fasting after that becomes easy. Well, for some people. Okay. Um, But you will feel the physical effects of fasting. Now, that's not the reason we're doing the fasting, but there's just this added extra benefit. It's amazing that God has built that into the whole process of fasting. But the thing with fasting is that we've got the opportunity to focus on the Lord. So when we were spending so much time preparing food, we don't have to do that. I mean, maybe just remember to feed the kids. But, you know, a lot of time is spent on these daily chores. And then there's a lot of time spent actually eating what you've prepared. So what if you took that time to feed on the Word? So you've got time now to give extra focus and attention to what the Lord is saying to us in this time and for the year ahead. And that's the whole point of fasting is that we are giving ourselves the opportunity to draw closer to the Lord by intentionally shifting things around in our lives and adjusting our lifestyle to be able to do that. Is this good? Okay. Fasting is not a hunger strike. And fasting is not some kind of mechanism that we can twist God's arm and force Him to do what we want Him to do. He is God, we are not. Fasting is for us and for us to connect with Him and to receive from Him, not to force Him to do what we're asking Him to do. Does this make sense? So we always come with the right heart attitude Uh, manipulation is as witchcraft and so we can't use witchcraft with God that's why we don't manipulate God with our fasting or anything like that is this making sense to you okay so fasting is about submitting ourselves to him and bringing our bodies in submission subjection that the spirit rise and the flesh goes down I must decrease that he might increase. I must decrease that he might increase. All right. You guys okay? Happy? Going to be amazing. So if you can join us each of the three evenings from six until seven, we'll have a time of prayer and worship and just being before the Lord. 
And then on Sunday night, we're going to have just the most amazing blowout time together. Looking forward to that. So, yeah. All right. Great. This is a good year. It's an amazing year because we're alive. And because we're alive, we can step into what he has for us. And the wonderful thing about this year, prophetically we're sensing that he's opening a door for us to step into the more of God. It's not about more stuff, more things. It's about more of him that we might grow and come to a greater place of maturity in our spiritual journey with God. And so the door is open. The invitation is there. We need to step in. We spoke last week about recognizing the signs of the times. And it's not just in terms of what's going on in the natural. Like we looked at the clouds last night at sunset. Kind of like, woo, something's coming. And my goodness, it came. So we could see the signs. Okay, something's coming. But it's not just about what's happening in the natural. It's about what we're sensing in the realm of the spirit. So we're recognizing that this is a time where there's an open door and we press in to go and receive all that the Lord has for us. So we're intentional in our lifestyle, in our focus, in what we're doing, because this is a season that God has specific things for us. And we want to be in the right season. Right? Farmers will tell you that if you plant the seed in the wrong season, you won't get a harvest. This is logical. So there's times, there's seasons where, hey, this is a time to actually plant. And you recognize, whoa, whoa, this is a time to go and harvest. Maybe it's something that you've planted and it's harvesting, or maybe you're foraging, but you know that there's harvest time. If you, you know, looking for mushrooms, there's a particular time of the year that you go and ho- you didn't plant the mushrooms. But you know that this is a time to go and harvest them. You're looking at me funny. All right, maybe you've never done mushroom harvesting. Okay. But in other words, there's certain times and there's seasons where you go and looking for the berries. You go looking for the things. You go harvesting because you know it's the right season. And if you go looking for them in the wrong season, you won't find them. But if when it is the season and you don't go, you won't get So we're recognizing in the spiritual realm that there's a season of an open door where the Lord is inviting us to go in for the more. So our posture this year is, wow, Lord, you are making a way for us to step into a whole bunch of things. We want to take advantage of the season because now is the time that the Lord is making it available to us in a very particular and specific way. And one of the things that we are pursuing is revelation. That he might reveal more of himself to us. So when we say the door and more, it's not more possessions and more money. Most of us could do with a little more than we have. Good time to say amen, but anyway... (laughs) 
all those are kept silent. My bank balance, I'll tell you, uh, or my bank account number, you can, you, okay, no. All right, so it's not about focusing on the temporary things. He said he'd take care of those things anyway. He says, why do you worry about these things? Come on, kids, I got this. I'm your, fa- I'm your f- father. Fathers take care of their kids. Don't stress about it. Yeah? Your kids, they just keep rocking up to the dining room table. Well, they never stress. Like, what's for, you know, they, they, they get a little bit picky sometimes. It's like, what's for dinner? It's not like they're not asking, is there something for dinner? Because they know that there will be something for dinner. It's just like, well, gee, I wonder what it is today. But there's going to be something. Your heavenly father is going to take care of you. So why are you worrying about these things? Come like a child and don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) All right. So the more that the Holy Spirit is wooing us, drawing us to pursue, to lean in, during the season of the open door is revelation, understanding the things that the Lord has for us. We saw in John chapter 1 and verse 51, we can just pop it up quickly. This is after he's been talking to Nathaniel, and um, Nathaniel says, Wow, amazing word of knowledge, like I saw you under the tree, and like, whoa, okay. And then Jesus said, Listen, if that's blown your socks off, tell you what, you're going to see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, the angelic realm is going to be coming through Jesus, who is the door. John chapter 10 says, I'm the door. It's the year of the open door. It's the year of Jesus and he's inviting us in. And it's the doorway to the supernatural realm into this realm. So what do angels do? Angels are ministering servants sent by God. Who sends them? Thank you. Not us. They're not our angels. They're his angels sent by him to minister and serve God's people. And they're bringing things from the throne that we need. God knows what we need and they're bringing things. So you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so Jesus Early in that same chapter, in, in fact, in verse 1 of John, John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus is the Word. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling or tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word and is dwelling among us okay and so jesus came to reveal the father's will he he came to reveal the father and he's the door and so we get this intersection between the supernatural realm and the natural realm 
And so there are things that are coming through the open door, Jesus, that are coming from the Father to us in a very special way in the season. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So, why do we need this? Good question. We need the Lord to bring things to us because we've received certain things in the past, but we haven't always had the revelation as to how these things fit together that we might journey on in Him and grow up and mature as disciples. So He's given us things in the past, and sometimes. It needs revelation from the Lord for us to be able to join the dots and to figure out, oh, so that's what this is about. Okay? So let's have a look at our friends who are walking on the road to Emmaus. You'll find this in Luke chapter 24 from verse 13. And so the the two boys, Cleopas and his mate, they are part of the wider grouping of disciples. You'll see it from the context because they knew the 11 and they used to hang around and they knew Jesus and they were following Jesus. And so we know from the scriptures, you know, that there was the 12, then there were the 70 or 72, then there was the 120, then there's the 500, you know. So in other words, there are these, these circles of connection. And so whether these two from Emmaus, they were disciples of Jesus, whether they were part of the 70 or the 120, we don't know exactly where they fit in, but they were known to the 12. Because later on that same event, they get welcomed in to hang around with, okay, it's 12 minus 1, with 11. Okay? Okay. So they are part of the whole thing. They've been following Jesus. They've been learning from Jesus. Jesus himself has been teaching them. They disciples, learner followers. That's what a disciple means. A learner follower. They have been following Jesus. Hearing his words. But they weren't able to join all of the dots. Let's have a look. Verse 13 of Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometers. Let's South Africanize this. About 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him it's like wow that is really interesting these are followers of Jesus for how long we don't know months even up to three years we don't know exactly how long these two were but they'd been around Jesus for quite a long time to be able to be acquainted with the twelve So they kind of knew what Jesus looked like. Jesus himself, he's just like, 
joins them in their journey. The ones that they kind of left home, Emmaus, to go and be with, to follow Jesus, he shows up, the one that they've been following, and they don't recognize him. Isn't this interesting? You know, sometimes Jesus shows up and we don't know it's him. Come on, there was another time, we were talking about this two weeks back. The boys are rowing all night. Jesus shows up. What's their response? It's a ghost. It's like, guys, how long have you been with Jesus? Why can't you recognize him? Sometimes Jesus appears differently from what we expect. We don't always recognize that it's him. I mean, we're okay with the Pharisees not recognizing Jesus. You know, because the Pharisees get a bad rap. And we're okay joining the side of, yeah, naughty Pharisees. I mean, remember, Jesus, he, he actually confronted them the one day. He says, boys, eyes, hey, look, look, pay attention. You search the scriptures diligently. And they did it diligently. That was their life. I mean, a Pharisee, they were paid. They were full-time paid to search the scriptures, figuring out about the Messiah. Then the Messiah stands in front of them, grabs them, across the face, says, wake up boys, the one you're looking for, ah, it's me. They didn't recognize. And even when he was like trying to wake them up, they still couldn't recognize. That's bad, right? It's really bad. So a religious mindset can prevent us from recognizing Jesus. Ooh. Ooh. Religious fervor and the traditions of man can get in the way like a veil. We can't see clearly and we don't recognize it's Jesus in front of us because our traditions are clouding our mind. You know, and we're okay with like, yeah, bad Pharisees. But these are not Pharisees. These are disciples following Jesus and they still didn't recognize him. So what does that teach us? It's like, whoa, let us be in a place of humility to understand that there will be times when Jesus shows up and we're not necessarily going to recognize it's Jesus. And so our prayer is the same kind of like outworking of these Emmaus guys, which is, Jesus, open my eyes. Let me see that it's you when you appear. Hmm? 
Is this okay? Can I put the knife in further? Give it a little, okay? One more. Okay, can you handle this one? You'll tell me afterwards. Jesus spoke about blasphemy against the Spirit. Remember that? And he said, listen, all the other sins are forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit? Ooh, don't do that. What's blasphemy of the Spirit? It's when we attribute the works of God to the devil. And it's possible, particularly when there's like religious thinking that impacts and clouds our minds, that people can attribute what the Holy Spirit is doing because it doesn't fit into the box, doesn't fit into the paradigm. Oh, this can't be God. I know who God is. That's not God. So it must be the devil. And we begin to attribute the move of the Spirit. We say, oh, that's the devil. And unfortunately, there, there have been a lot of these things that have happened in, you know, in the recent decades. So it's not like this stuff can't happen. We recognize that it's possible for these things to happen. Okay. Now before we get into like, oh yeah, no, we're so amazing and we can see everything, let's just keep into that place of humility and say, Lord, help us never to miss the day of your visitation. And help us to never misunderstand because we don't recognize because you come in a different form than what we thought. Help us never to get into the place of saying, oh, well, that must be the devil because it can't be God. Because God would never do that. Oh, really? Nathaniel, you're impressed with that? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. You're even going to see angels ascending and descending. There are things that are going to happen that are going to blow your mind. Right? So our posture is one of humility as we want to learn from the Lord, as we want to grow in the Spirit, that we might see new things that He is doing and recognize it's Him. Does it make sense? All right. So here we are. Verse 16, they were kept from recognizing Him. Verse 17, He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood, stood still, their faces downcast. In other words, they were really despondent, dejected, depressed. Hope was gone. All right, we're going to see in a moment. They had left whatever they were doing and they were following this rabbi. And this rabbi was going to change everything. We're going to see in a moment that there was this expectation amongst the Jewish people that a Messiah would come. This is how they interpreted the prophetic writings from the Old Testament. 
that a Messiah would come and would throw off all of the shackles and by that they understood not sin, sickness, disease and these shackles but they understood it to mean the shackles of the Roman oppression. So the Romans were occupying um, the land there. I nearly used the, the name of the land and I thought it might land me in hot water now so I won't use the name of the land. Seems to be contentious at the moment. But they were expecting a human military leader who would cause a revolt, a revolution that would throw off the Roman occupation. And the Roman occupation was brutal. They, they hated the Jews. They, they treated them harshly. They taxed them and overtaxed them. And when there was any kind of uprising like the Maccabean revolt or anything like that, they were heavy-handed. The, the part of the dream that Daniel had, you know, the, the, the statue, and then you had the, the feet with clay and with, with iron. And the Romans ruled by iron. I mean, they stomped out any kind of opposition. Brutal. You remember when Jesus was on the cross, there were two others on the cross. It's like crucifixion was a standard way of dealing with a nation. What do the other guys get crucified for? Murder? No, they were just thieves. Are you with me? This is hectic. All right? Intense, brutal domination by the Romans. And so they were crying out for a deliverer, and the deliverer came, but he came in a different way from what they expected. So, you know, when Jesus came riding in on a donkey, they were actually more interested in. A Messiah coming on a white horse. We know that the, 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 the disciples, when they were with Jesus the 40 days after the resurrection before the ascension, and one of the conversations, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? What were they talking about? It's kind of like, okay, Jesus, now that you're alive, we're going to kick out the Romans, right? I mean, they can't kill you. I mean, look at you. I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the best soldier we could have. Like, they can't kill you. Like, you can even go through walls. I mean, like, they try and put you in prison and you just... It's like you do that thing again, you know? Like, you just... The disciples even had this understanding, which is, we can see is incorrect, but that's what they were, were hoping that he would come and redeem Israel in the sense of overthrowing the Roman occupation. So they're disappointed, they're downcast, they're just like in disbelief, like, 
are you the only person who don't know what's going on here? I mean, did you have a three-day media fast? It's like, were you offline for three days? Yeah? Did you, did you, did you not tune into the news? Did you not see? I mean, this has been breaking news on all of the channels. They stood still, their faces downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? What things, he asked. It's amazing. You know, Jesus reaches in and he, he asks questions so that it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's so that we can begin to unpack what we think, know, and believe that he can then bring adjustment so we can come into alignment with truth. The word from the beginning becomes flesh and the word brings alignment. What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. It's kind of like, okay. Who do you say that I am? A prophet? Some say a prophet. It's kind of like, oh, he's dead now, so, oh, he's just done. We downgrade him to a prophet. Disappointment can change your perspective. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one. We hoped he was the one. What one? John's disciples came to Jesus. Are you the one? Yeah, these disciples. We had hoped that he was the one. The one what? The Messiah. To do what? To redeem Israel. What does that mean? Throughout the Romans. And what is more? It's the third day since the, all this took place. Oh my goodness, boys. Are you listening to yourselves? Okay. They are busy unpacking the things that they know. And they are unable to join the dots. There are things that God has spoken. There are things that they've experienced. There are things that they've seen. That God has weaved into their life story, their journey, their personal history. And they've not been able to join the dots to actually see what's going on. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. Well, what's that about? Well, you'll see earlier in Luke chapter 9, verse 20... This is now the great confession when Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? 
or some say a prophet, some say John, Elijah, the, you know, whatever. Who do you say I am? Peter says, you're God's Messiah. You're the son of the living God, right? One of the other chapter, uh, books. Then Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. What are these boys from Emmaus just said? Jesus was handed over to these boys. All right? So Jesus tells him much earlier in the journey and must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So look, this is in red in my Bible. means these are dangerous words of Jesus. All right? His words are dangerous to the enemy. All right, but these are words of life. And so Jesus, he's told them what's going to happen. Now, they, now they're busy piecing it back. And at this, even as they're telling Jesus, they're not piecing it together. I mean, they're quoting what Jesus said in chapter 9. Be handed over to the elders, the chief priests. And be killed. And on the third day. And what's more, it's the third day. They're not joining the dots. Right? Listen, it gets better. Or worse. Verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Signs and wonders. We are amazed. We're just like, this is unbelievable. It's because you have to believe it. It's about belief. They were amazed at what the woman said. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Okay. In Luke 24, early on in the same chapter, the angels say to the woman, but didn't you remember Jesus said and that on the third day he would rise? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Didn't you remember? Same thing that the other guys had. Like Jesus had said, he's going to die and on the third day rise again. So there's coming again and again the building up of the picture and they're still not getting it. This is incredible. seen a vision of angels who said he was alive then some of his companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said but they did not see Jesus sometimes much like being taken up 
on wings of an eagle. We need the Holy Spirit to lift us up so we can see from a higher perspective what's going on. So, oh, that's over there and that's over there. Oh my goodness, look from this. Oh, I see an outline. I see a pattern. I see a picture emerging. But when I was so close to the individual components, I couldn't see the big picture. But now that the Lord has lifted me up and I'm seeing from another perspective, I see the outline how this all fits together. Oh, it makes sense. And so the Holy Spirit is going to be helping us in this time of lifting us up to a higher place of revelation and understanding. Isn't this awesome? You see, there are things in our lives, and before we get too harsh on the Pharisees or too harsh on these disciples here, the point is, that the Lord has done certain things in our lives and we haven't joined the dots. And we're not quite sure, like, you know, this thing happened to me when I was this age and that thing happened and then that circumstance and whatever and that prophetic word and that preach and this and that, whatever. And we haven't joined them all together. And we maybe even have Jesus right here with us and we just think, fellow traveler we're not recognizing that actually Jesus has come into our very midst presence he's here in our circumstance he's not a ghost he's with us to help us to see the picture so it's amazing let's carry on here quickly Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. So how many of you got the book of Moses? What's he talking about? Okay, he's talking about the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. So it's not called the book of Moses, but Moses authored them. Okay, with a bit of, you know, uh, editorial passages. You know, Moses clearly did not write. And Moses was the most humble man who ever walked on the face of the earth. And this is how Moses died. All right, so clearly... There's editorial, you know, the, the scribes and so on that was inserted in, okay? But Moses authored the first five books of the Bible, okay? And the prophets, okay? So the prophetic writings, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and some of them are major prophets and some of them are underground prophets. They're the minor prophets, So Jesus said that it's it's bad, eh, guys? It's bad. All right, we're going to go for lunch soon. So the scriptures, the only scriptures that they had was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And so Jesus is taking the first five books written by Moses plus all the, the prophetic writings and he's working through all of that and he's showing 
for how this all fits together. Talk about a bird's eye view. And as the living word, who is the eternal word, who was with God and became flesh, and is tabernacling among, he now is explaining himself (laughs) to these guys. That is the invitation. Jesus said, I am the door. And there are going to be the agents of heaven, angels, secret agents. Sometimes you don't even see them. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Secret agents from the throne. Listening to whatever the Lord wants and they are sent to serve, to help, to minister, to strengthen to comfort, to protect, to shield. We call them guardian angels sometimes. But they're working in our lives and in our circumstances according to his instruction to ensure that we carry on the journey. And so they're ascending and descending, but not only are they working in terms of our physical circumstances, but they're bringing to us the bread of heaven. Remember Elijah, he has a big kung fu showdown thing with the 400 false prophets. With the four, 450 of them, whatever, there's a lot of them. And he sorts them all out. And um, it, was, it was chaos. And, uh, and then he runs a half marathon. <laughs> and um, and he, he, he beats the fastest Ferrari of the day. It's amazing, supernatural. And, um, and then Jezebel says, listen, he's toast by tomorrow. And he gets a scrick and he heads off into the wilderness. And then he, he, after, I think, two, three days, he's like, that's it, done. And he's under a bush, like, I just want to die. And an angel comes and gives him food from heaven that strengthens him and then he's off for a 40 day journey on that meal that supernatural sustaining there's something that came from that realm into this realm okay so the Lord is going to be doing things in this season that are unusual to accelerate us in our journey with him. Even if we find ourselves in a wilderness, he's got a way of getting the help we need in that wilderness. He's the way maker. Miracle maker. And he's actively inviting us to step into the more of what he wants to reveal to us. So let's see how this ends for them. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. 
But they urged him strong, strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. Come on, what are you getting here? Where did we hear this before? The Last Supper. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. He took bread, I am the bread of life. People came running to Jesus because they wanted bread. There's miracles around bread, the multiplying of bread. He took bread, he gave thanks. Thanksgiving opens the door for more. Broke it, gave it to them. He began to give it to them. As he was giving it to them, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. In this week of fasting, he is the bread of life. And as we press in, we cross over the threshold, this open door for more, more revelation. As we take the, he is breaking the bread for us. Take and eat. And as we take and eat, we are going to have our eyes opened to see things that we couldn't see before. We weren't able to join all the dots. And all of a sudden, oh my, it's Jesus. Oh, it's been Jesus all along. He was right with us. I didn't recognize he was with me in the journey. I didn't recognize it was him explaining I didn't recognize his intervention and he's putting all these things and he had stacked all these things in my life and he was there right from the start and even in all the difficult things and when the enemy was trying to steal, kill and destroy, he was there. Amen. Now I'm not going to attribute too much to the devil and I'm not going to say God did this when it was the devil and I'm not you know what I mean you're not going to reverse the blasphemy thing yeah because he said he's here for life and life more abundantly and it's the enemy who comes to steal kill destroy so we're not going to say well God brought all this bad stuff no no the enemy is trying to destroy us but God can cause all things He's the God of the turnaround. He can cause all things to work together for good. But it's as we recognize all these things and we get lifted up by the Spirit, we say, oh my goodness, you were there, you were there. Oh, that's what that was. Oh, that's why I moved there. That's why you led me to study this. That's why... I had that friend. That's why. And we suddenly begin to see the picture. Oh my goodness, Lord. You're here. 
I'm in this moment and you're here. They were still in Emmaus. Jesus was there with them in Emmaus. In their circumstance. And they said, my goodness. Okay, let's get out of here. We're going back to Jerusalem. It was a bit late for Uber. So they decided they'll just go back 11 Ks. But this time, and they're going back. Oh my goodness. Did not our hearts burn within us? When he opened up the word to us, did we not, we didn't recognize it in the moment, but now that we look back, our hearts were burning. We were on fire. Because the one who appeared to Moses in the burning bush was the one who appeared to us and was walking with us and that heat from the fire burned our hearts as he was speaking to us. And now we've got a different perspective. Now they go back and they tell the 11, boys, it's amazing. Simon says, guys, you're late to the party. He already spoke to me. Simon, you know, the guy, Peter. Simon, Peter, that same guy. He says, no, it's, yeah, you're right. He's alive. He's alive. Yeah, it wasn't just your imagination. He's alive. And as they're celebrating that Jesus is alive, guess what happens? He comes. He comes. As we posture ourselves, say, Lord, open our eyes. We want to press in. You're alive. Be alive to me. Speak to me. Let my heart burn with your words. As I feed on you, would you take the bread? Give thanks and break it for me. May my eyes be open. May I recognize it's you, Lord. May my life never be the same. Would you show up in ways we've never seen before? Even if it kind of like is a little bit, whoa, he's there. But we're okay. Because you're going to do things that are going to amaze us in these days. Let's stand. How about we just posture ourselves? We, we just... You know, better than a New Year's resolution... Which only helps about 24 hours. How about we just change the direction of our hearts? You know, Scripture says be filled, be being filled with the Spirit. And it, it's actually about a sail on a sailboat being positioned in order to catch the wind. 
We want to catch the wind of the Spirit to be carried along. We want to position our hearts so that we can be filled with the Spirit, carried by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. As we posture ourselves for this year, Lord, we want to come with humility. If these boys on the road to Emmaus couldn't recognize you, chances are that there are things that you're doing that we haven't recognized. And so we come with humility and we say, Lord, help us. We want to see you. We want to be aware of what you're doing. Would you take away whatever is keeping us from recognizing you? Would you come and touch our hearts and touch our eyes? We could see by the Spirit what you're doing. Cause us, Lord, to be lifted up in the Spirit and to get the perspective, that heavenly perspective of what's going on in our lives. Cause us, Lord, in this season with the open door and the time of you revealing more that we would cross through and, and receive all that you have for us. That this is a time of pressing in, of going hard after God. Cause our hearts to be soft and tender to receive from you. That we would not be the elder brother, the know-it-all, Cause us to be a people of humility, ever learning, ever being a learner follower, a disciple, that we might receive more. Thank you, Lord, you're speaking in these days. Thank you that these are days of awe and wonder, that you're speaking. So we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We want to listen to you. We want to posture ourselves, Lord. Sit at your feet. Learn from you. Thank you, Lord, that you release your peace into our hearts right now. That you open up our eyes and you enable us to see. So let your peace be upon us these days. Let your word be opened. Let your joy bubble up from deep within. Let your protection be a shield around us. May the provision of Father be our portion. May we have sweet fellowship with you. We ask these things in the name of that is honored and revered and above every other name. The name of Jesus. And all God's amazing people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.